Well, hello and welcome to the next episode of the West Connect podcast, where we help ensure that student athletes are successful on and off the field. Today, I've got an old friend of mine, Charlie Munzig. Charlie, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brian. And I'm old, so I lose memory. But what year were you? You were two years behind me, right? What were you? Uh, I was class of 2007. Okay, yeah, so three years. But we we had a lot of the same crew. We were both in the same fraternity and etc. So thank you for agreeing to do this. Um, maybe b- before we get into a little bit about what you do today, give us a little bit of background, um, how you grew up and then how you found yourself at Wesleyan. Sure, sure. So first, thanks for doing all this. Um, going back through your podcast, this is a huge resource and it's awesome you're, you're doing this for all the all the, the current West students. And I wish I had this when I was when I was there. Um, so first, thanks for having me on. Um, so I, um, class of 2007, I grew up in Southern California, um, you know, played a bunch of sports growing up, went to boarding school there and really looking for, um, you know, a, uh, a college experience that was a, a natural extension from my, from my boarding school. And, you know, a big part of that would, you know, go into a school that, uh, where I could play sports. Um, and I was definitely not, not a good enough athlete to, to go to a D1 school. And so, you know, NESCAC was a pretty natural extension from my, uh, from my upbringing, um, you know, uh, got to know the school really well, um, you know, had a, had a, you know, really, really great experience visiting and, and fell in love with it. So, um, you know, I, I did want to play, play sports. I ended up playing, uh, baseball for four years. Um, and I also played on the golf team for, for three years while I was there and, um, you know, had a, had a, you know, really great time playing sports. And then also, um, you know, West in general. So I'm a, I'm a big, big West fan. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And maybe go into a little bit more in depth about um, what that looked like being a two sport athlete and ultimately how you decided to just focus on one. Um, I've interviewed a handful of people who have done two sports, but given the academic rigor and just frankly, how much fun Wesleyan is socially, um, I, I can't imagine it must have been a real challenge to, to carry that load. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I think, um, it definitely is a lot of hours for sure. Um, and I had not planned on playing golf, uh, coming into to West golf, obviously is a fall and spring sport. And so I only played on the golf team in the fall. Um, and so I plan on just playing baseball and, you know, the summer before, uh, coming to West, you know, I just, uh, I, I played golf my entire life. I did not play competitively in high school, but, um, you know, I, I just started doing a little research and, and actually connect with our, with our buddy, Adam Hodge and, um, you know, started talking about potentially coming out for the team. And, and so golf was one kind of an add-on sport for me at, at West. And again, um, probably not as rigorous as a lot of other sports, um, you know, no, no real kind of early morning training sessions. It was um, really more of an a- afternoon activity with some weekend tournaments. So um, golf was, golf was kind of an add-on sport for me, but um, you know, listen, growing up, um, I, I, my life was consumed with both sports and with school. So I, you know, often would be playing on, you know, two club basketball teams or a club soccer team and a club basketball team. And so growing up, I really didn't know life other than, you know, a full schedule of sports and academics and, you know, family. And so, um, you know, it was, it wasn't too big of an adjustment for me coming to West and playing two sports. And I was, you know, I played three sports in high school. And so I, I kind of understood the schedule of, you know, how you need to structure your day. And, and um, candidly, I think it would have been uh, more, more of a change for me had I either not played sports or only played one sport. So, um, but, you know, at West, it was definitely, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a different caliber and a different time commitment um, 
than, you know, than anything else. Um, you know, especially as you got into the baseball season, um, you really, really needed to manage your time effectively. Um, you know, I, I, I double majored in economics and English and I, you know, I, I had a lot of work and I, as everyone does OS and baseball, um, you know, we'd sometimes be playing four games a week and, you know, with travel in there and, you know, baseball games aren't quick sometimes. And so it's, a, it's a, it's just a lot of hours. And so, you know, you really had to be effective in, in, uh, you know, when you got your studying in, when you, um, you know, we're, we'd get to the library, you know, I remember working a bunch on buses. Um, so it's, it was definitely a big change, uh, just getting to the college level and playing sports, but, you know, it was something that I was, I was used to given my, my upbringing playing a bunch of sports too. Yeah. I always found that, um, I was more organized during lacrosse season than I was out of it. Sometimes I had too much time or not enough rigor in my schedule maybe. And, and I'm sure that's the same for a lot of people. Um, so economics major, um, obviously very involved on campus. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of what you did in the, in the summers, um, in terms of internships, externships, fields of study, um, to help prepare you for the professional career that you're in today? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I knew, and it was, you know, looking back, you know, I think I was benefited in a lot of ways from this is, you know, I really knew I, I wanted to get into finance. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to do something in business. I didn't know what that was, um, but I, I knew it would be finance oriented. And so even, you know, before declaring an economics major, um, you know, I was pretty certain that's what I wanted to do. And so I was, I knew econ would be the major. Um, and, uh, and I also threw English in there as a double major to, you know, round out a lot of my skill set, And I, you know, enjoyed English as well. Um, but I, I really knew going into college that, hey, business is probably what I want to do. I grew up um, just around family businesses, um, you know, during summers in high school, working, you know, just in distribution companies and others that I, I, um, I, got, to, I got to see small businesses. Um, I grew up on a, a citrus ranch that my parents ran in Southern California. And so that was a small business in and of itself. And um, so I, I, I was always interested and I had, you know, a bunch of family in business as well. And so it was just, you know, something that came naturally to me and, and I was excited about. And so that really led into, um, you know, my, the, my summers, um, you know, I would say, um, what I, you know, what I knew early on and was fortunate enough to be kind of guided to was you got to really start getting those internships and those experiences during the summers to start building your resume to position yourself for, you know, a, a full-time position post-college. And so I really started thinking about that pretty early on. And so I had my, you know, first finance internship uh, between freshman and sophomore year. Um, you know, I had a, another internship uh, doing a different kind of finance between sophomore and junior year. Um, and then I ended up doing an investment banking internship between junior and senior year that led into a full-time offer in investment banking. So, um, you know, that, that was a big part of, of you know, I think um, of, of how I approached, you know, the, 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 my professional career was thinking starting early and, and thinking early around, hey, how do I, how do I start um, developing the experiences, building the resume and, um, and, and using that to also uh, figure out what within finance I wanted to be doing. And so that's really sort of how I, how I approach it was, was taking those summers and those kind of three to four months between the years really seriously and, and viewing that as an opportunity to, to, you know, have an experience that I could talk about. Yeah. And that seems to be 
thematic across people interested in finance, they often know right off the bat that, you know, that's the intention day one. And so um, I've heard that story many times. I know it's been a while, but do you recall at all how you were able to land those internships or kind of the work you did while interning to work on professional development, networking, knowing that, you know, you were likely to come back next summer and then eventually do that full-time out of college? Yeah. Yeah. So um, landed up in different ways. Um, You know, the freshman and sophomore year was at the same firm, but in different industry groups, and it was a family connection. So, um, you know, it was, you know, uh, a firm that I had, I had known about for a long time. And, you know, we knew someone who worked there and, and was able to leverage really an entry level job between freshman and sophomore year. Um, it was a, uh, I think it was an unpaid internship where I was almost an executive assistant in the private wealth management division of a, of a, of a finance firm in LA. Um, and for me, it was just, hey, I've never really worked at a desk. I don't even know what to wear. I don't even know how to act in an office. And I, it, was a, it was a total learning experience for me. Um, you know, if you need to go and chase somebody down, you know, in an office setting and, and ask them a question, do you wait outside their office for five minutes or do you check and walk away and come back? You shoot them an email. It's just very simple interactions like that. Never having worked in an office, you learn a ton. Um, and so... I was really just looking for any type of experience. I didn't care if I get if I got paid. I just wanted to wanted to get something on my resume and just get a little bit of experience. Um, and I was super lucky during that summer. Um, and I would say it, it, it's it's advice I've I've taken kind of with me over over the years and various different roles is you know I was lucky enough to find someone to be a mentor even within that kind of super early on summer position and found that person who was willing to take the time to sit down with me and explain to me what they were doing, even though I had no idea what their position was, um, you know, took the time to put me on a special project. So if across three months, if two and a half of those months were, you know, kind of brunt work and not doing a whole lot, but I got put on a really interesting two week project um, that got me a ton of, of exposure. And um, other than just a, a, a couple bullets on my resume, it got me something substantial to talk about when I thought it started thinking about other opportunities and to kind of pinpoint that experience and saying, Hey, this is what the team did. Here's how they approached the market. And here specifically is a product that I worked on that I really learned a lot from. And it was that mentor within that summer opportunity that, you know, allowed me to get that, allowed me to learn more and then leverage that into, Hey, that mentor is going to make a recommendation for me to change groups within that firm for the next summer. And so um, you know, it was really, um, uh, I would say, a vital um, realization during that summer and, um, you know, for the following summers and even up to this point, you know, being at a firm for, you know, now 12 years, every team or every kind of smaller group that I've been on, I always try to find those people both more senior to me and then also more junior to me where I can hopefully be that resource for them. And I, I found that was true even in the kind of early early summer opportunities where, um, you know, I, I you, you realize that you, you don't know a whole lot. You're a freshman in college, and you know you've you're you're just a, you know in a lot of ways um, in the professional world just just you don't know what you don't know. And so it was super helpful for me to find that person who um, who, who led me through it and gave me those opportunities to excel and grow, and then leverage that into kind of something else um, for the following summers. 
Yeah, and it, it seems like anecdotally, there are much more robust resources on campus now than there were when we were there for folks that want to get into finance. I think they have, um, you know, specific programming, they have much more in-depth recruiting that takes place on campus. So kudos to you, because it, it was probably a little bit in the wilderness there, um, in terms of how that worked. I know you were yeah. just anecdotally one of the few friends um, that we had in our network that, that went into finance. I feel like a lot of people did not. Um, and oftentimes, Wesley is not associated with that um, industry. But I know we talked a little bit about this in the pre-call. You're very passionate about what you do and the work that you're um, focused on. Can you talk a, a little bit about why you love it, why you're so passionate about it, and maybe encourage people who are in school or recent graduates to consider it as a career path? Sure, sure. So um, just as a little bit of background, I work for a private equity firm called the Carlisle Group. Um, it's a global alternative asset manager. Um, it's headquartered in Washington, D.C., but you know has operations globally. And um, I work on a team that invests in technology companies. And so we can invest in you know anything on um, the small end all the way up to you know very large um, investments. And these are mostly software businesses, um, often you know high growth, um, you know serving vertical markets. Um, and you know I um, I absolutely love it. You know I've 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 been doing it now for for just about twelve years here, um, and I get to uh, yeah, as a as a member of the team I get just so many opportunities to meet incredible people, um, founders, entrepreneurs, unbelievable managers of businesses. Um, I get to sit in a boardroom and think through strategy, um, think through value creation for our investors. Um, I just, I, I work with um, just a, 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 I'm so fortunate to work with such an incredible group of, of smart, hardworking and, and thoughtful people here. Um, and so, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I feel like I, I really lucked out. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know within finance in particular, that's, that's not always the case for people. Um, you know, I, I, I did uh, summer internships, um, you know, I, between junior and, and senior year at West, I, I, I got a summer internship in investment banking at Merrill Lynch and was able to leverage that into a, a full-time offer at Merrill. Um, and, um, you know, pr pretty early on within my investment banking career, as you probably know, the recruiting cycle for private equity starts so early on. It was, you know, just just into my first year of, of banking where I had to kind of make a decision on what I wanted to do, you know, after banking. And I felt like I had just graduated because I had. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, really lucked out. Carlisle was my first interview during that process. I interviewed with a bunch of, of, of private equity firms and really connected with the team really well. And, you know, was fortunate enough to to land an offer um, in the beginning of 2008, right before the financial crisis. Um, to start in the summer of 2009. So um, I was, um, you know, I, I've been here ever since. Um, I'm, I'm probably a rare uh, uh, member of the Carlisle investment team who does not have an MBA, but um, I've stayed at the firm, uh, you know, really since joining in 2009 and, and I've been super fortunate to be, uh, be part of the team here. Yeah, so I do wanna talk about that a little bit. We, we haven't ever covered this, but, you know, oftentimes a typical track is investment banking, you know, for one to three years, then you go to business school and then you go to private equity maybe, but there is that typical gap and that kind of almost seems obligatory business school stint. Yeah. Did you consider that? And, and, and if so, why did you not go that path? 
Yeah. So the typical path, and again, it's changing over time. It's changed since I did it. Um, but the typical path is is really a two, two, and two path. So you do two years of investment banking, then you go and you do two years as an associate, a pre-MBA associate at a private equity firm. And then they usually uh, ask you to go back to business school for another two years. So that's kind of the two, two, and two. Um, and I, I had signed on at Carlisle for a two-year associate program. And um, you know most of my colleagues at Carlisle who I started with did leave after two years and did go back to business school. And I was fully planning on doing that. I took the GMAT, I had started my application process and I totally lucked out where I happened to find myself in a, in a group within Carlisle that um, we were out raising a new fund um, and they were looking for um, you know, a member of the team um, of you know, who is a, a post MBA position, but was doing a lot of the same work that I'd been doing as an associate. And so they came to me and, and effectively said, hey, why don't, you, why don't you skip the MBA process and we'll direct promote you to the post MBA position and you don't have to go back. So it was, it was totally luck. Um, I, I was the, it was lucky not only to be you know, given the opportunity to do that, but in a group that allowed it here within Carla, because, you know, it's not fully, uh, that doesn't happen in every group. And so it was totally lucky in that, in that instance. But listen, I, a lot of my family members went to business school um, and I always thought I would go back. And I spent a lot of time thinking through um, whether or not I should go back because, you know, business school, uh, there's a ton of benefit to, to doing it. Um, you know, not only, you know, what you learn academically, especially coming from West where I did not get that heavy, super rigorous undergrad finance uh, program, but um, the network you generate, you go to a big business school and you come out with an unbelievable network. Um, you travel, you get to see the world, um, you know, you, uh, it, it sometimes can be viewed as, you know, not quite the hours of investment banking or the associate program. So it is a good chance to recharge your batteries and then you know, really uh, propel yourself over the long term for a, a career in finance or something else. Um, so listen, I, I fully expected to go back. Um, and, you know, I, I spent a bunch of time when I was offered the opportunity to stay, um, thinking through whether it was the right decision for me, because I was really, um, uh, you know, hitching my trailer to not only private equity, not only to Carla, but specifically to the strategy that I was working in. And so, um, at the end of, you know, really that, that process of thinking it through, you know, I, I realized that, Hey, this is, this is the job I would want coming out of business school where I had to, you know, go to business school and then be reapplying to Carlisle or to another firm. And I, I looked around and realized hey, I'm being offered the job I would want to take out of business school. And so I can, you know, really skip those two years and just continue on here. So listen, it, it was, I did not take it lightly. Um, and, you know, in, it, you know, there's, there's a lot you certainly miss out by not going back. But uh, for me at that time, it was the right decision. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that was the decision I made. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, the, the networking, uh, especially I've always heard is kind of the key. And, um, you know, I can imagine that it was a very difficult one decision to go through. So, but it seems like you, you know, you also, and I'm not as well versed, but you've been at Carlisle for a long time. And then that is not always the case, especially in private equity, financial services. Oftentimes people, it seems like, especially now every two to three years, they, they make a move. And oftentimes you have to go, what is the term? Uh, horizontal to go vertical uh, sometimes with other shops. So you talk about maybe 
being at the same firm for this long, and, and I'm sure you've been, you know, seen other opportunities or, or been inbounded by, by folks and talk about kind of that longevity that you've had there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, it is, you know, fairly unusual, um, to be kind of at one firm for most of my career so far. Um, and again, I still feel like I'm at the early stages of my career here in my mid thirties, but, um, you know, uh, you know, I spent two years at Merrill Lynch and then, you know, now 12, almost 12 here at Carlisle. Um, you know, listen, I, I, um, I think there are a bunch of elements that are drive that, that drive, you know, me, me staying here. I, I'm so lucky to be here and so happy here. Um, you know, I would say the, the big part of it is, um, being around people who are just good people. Um, because for me, you can love the work or industry you're in, but if you're working with people that um, are, uh, you know, are not supportive, um, you don't enjoy spending time with, um, you know, it can just make your life miserable. So, you know, I'm so fortunate to be with people who, you know, care about me personally, care about me professionally. It's not just, you know, calling me on the phone and saying, where is this, where is this? You know, it's not unusual for, to get that call and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? How's your family doing? Um, you know, is there anything I can be helpful with? And um, we all work really hard and a lot of hours. And, you know, I think when you couple that hard work with, um, you know, with people that are just more difficult to be with, um, that is, um, you know, it, it's, it's a recipe for, for, for wanting to change. And so, um, and it, it creates, you know, a higher, <laughs> higher likelihood to burn out and just, you know, broader unhappiness. And so what I always tend to tend to focus on when I'm, you know, chatting with, with, uh, you know, with people I work with or, um, with candidates that I'm trying to recruit or with Wesleyan students. Um, and they're thinking through, Hey, you know, I've got this really great offer from this great firm. Um, you know, what do you think I should do? My first question is usually, you know, do you like the people? Because that to me, um, you know, life's too short to spend, you know, 80, 100 hour weeks with people you don't like or who don't care about you. And, um, you know, I think that's, I, I've been so fortunate, at, you know, at, in my in my roles, not only at Carlisle, but at Merrill Lynch and in my summers of, of really, you know, being with people who, you know, have been supportive of, of me as, a, as, a, as an individual and being inclusive um, of the whole team and wanting to, you know, work together as a team, you know, with the sport analogy of, of you know, really looking out for each other and, and helping everyone excel. Um, you know, I, I felt like I've, I've had that um, more than a lot of other people. And that I think that's been probably the single biggest driver of, of, of you know, me being in one place for, you know, for 12 years now um, is, is, is really the people. So I, I would, you know, as I think through, you know, what is what are the next five, 10, 15 years of my career look like? Um, you know, who knows what the future will bring, but I, I, I think I'll continue to focus on, hey, are the people around me people who I want to spend time with and who, you know, I not only want to, you know, go to that, you know, battle with in the trenches on a, on a new opportunity or a new investment, but also go get a beer with. And I want to, you know, if I'm, if I'm stuck at an airport for six hours because our flight's delayed coming back from a board meeting, you know, is this someone who, you know, I want to be sitting next to, right? Um, and who I want to go to with, you know, for personal advice. So, those are all super, uh, super important elements, at least for me. And I'd say, you know, work aside, that that's probably the single biggest factor that's kept me where I am for this long. That's encouraging. And and Carla does have a tremendous reputation. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you that you landed at a spot that you're content with and you continue to do so well. 
Let's transition a little bit into more of an informational interview for people who are not as familiar with, with what Carlisle does. I know you provided a, a high level, but talk a little bit more about your specific role, the team that you're in, the industries you work with, and, and what that day-to-day looks like for you. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, the private equity industry, um, you know, has, has obviously grown a bunch over the, the, the last several years. I'm, uh, Carlisle today is actually publicly traded, so we're a publicly traded private equity firm. And, um, and we've grown into, you know, what, what we call an alternative, a global alternative asset manager. And so what that means is that we manage capital for uh, largely institutional investors across a bunch of different strategies. One of those strategies today is, is private equity, which I'll, I'll touch on, but we also have a big credit arm. We also have a big real assets arm, and we also have a big, you know, solutions arm, which includes fund to fund. So a bunch of different asset classes within the alternative space. Um, the private equity division at Carlisle is really kind of the where the firm was was founded and where um, where where I work and we manage capital globally. So you know teams in the U.S., in Europe, in Asia, South America, and um, investors trust us with their capital to for an extended period of time, often ten years, to go then invest in companies to hopefully grow those companies and then ultimately over a several year period sell them for a profit. So. Um, and, and ultimately drive returns. And the private equity industry over a long period of time has um, delivered really strong uh, you know, performance, really strong returns uh, for our investors um, across cycles. So over decades and decades. And so, um, and so you know, the team that I'm on um, focuses exclusively on, on the technology space. Um, there are also teams within the technology division here at, at, at Carlisle that focus on um, aerospace and defense, that focus on the industrial space, that focus on consumer retail, um, and that focus on healthcare too. And um, you know, various other different pockets of capital outside of private equity around infrastructure and the like. But um, you know, within private equity, those are the kind of the key five um, sectors in which we focus on. So we are, uh, my team is, is 100% technology focused. Um, and what that means is we're probably 75, 80% focused on software businesses today. And, um, you know, these are businesses that are typically selling into a vertical end market. And so it'd be software that sells into the railway sector or software that sells into healthcare or software that sells into education. These typically are not, you know, big horizontal um, software companies that are trying to compete with massive public technology companies. Um, and what that allows us to do is not only is our team really, uh, you know, focused on technology and has a bunch of experience in the technology space and the, in the, in the software business model specifically, but we also have colleagues who live and breathe specific end markets in which our software companies are selling into. So if, you know, we're partnered with a, a software company selling into the healthcare market, at Carlisle, I can walk down the hallway and pull my healthcare colleagues into that deal and use them to help understand the end market, to help understand who within their portfolio of investments might be good candidates for this software product that this uh, that our portfolio company is selling into. They can help us, you know, with specific industry challenges or industry changes or you know regulatory impacts um, that could be impacting all all companies in that sector, and ultimately hopefully get us a lot smarter on the business and hopefully you know, be better partners to that management team um, to help them continue to grow. And so we, we tend to bring at Carla a lot of resources to our, to our, our, our companies that we partner with. Um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, 
you know, it can really, it can really vary. Um, you know, I would say generally, um, I spent half of my time focused on my existing investments. So, you know, three different investments in the, in the technology space that um, we've been invested in for, um, for the last several years. So helping those management teams with either strategy that could be, you know, acquisitions they're looking to make. It could be with, um, you know, going into new markets. It could be with um, how to think through, you know, different resources for driving sales. Um, it could be through, you know, uh, being more efficient with their cost structure. Um, and then the other half of my day is out prospecting, looking for, you know, new companies to invest in. So, you know, we, we, uh, we have a, we, we have a big pool of, of capital that we, we look to invest in, and, and, uh, and back great companies and great management teams to hopefully help them grow. And so I spend the other half of my time, you know, looking for those new investments, diligencing them, um, getting to know CEOs and founders and, you know, talking to them about what they're seeing in the market and what they would look for in a partner. And then, you know, trying to match that up with, with Carlisle and the resources we have to, you know, hopefully at one point, uh, be a good partner to them and, and maybe make an investment in their, in their company. Yeah. It's an incredible business and and one that can, you continues to grow in many aspects. So, um, well, we thank you for joining us. Um, I, to your point about kind of the hours you put in the work you do, it is a great industry, a great business, but it is time consuming and there are, <laughs> there are uh, pressures on your schedule. So thank you for carving out some time to spend with us here. Uh, before we wrap up, are there any kind of words of wisdom or actionable advice that you would give to folks uh, listening specifically, you know, as you know, with COVID, the students now um, have a lot of time on their hands at home, unfortunately. And so, Part of what we're trying to do here is allow them to, to access content as they think through kind of their professional uh, transitions from school. Any, any thoughts that you'd like to impart uh, before we wrap up? Yeah, you know, um, I, I've been poking through the other podcasts that you've, you've thoughtfully put up and, you know, there's a ton of great advice in there. So first and foremost, listen to the to the great podcast that Brian has, has, has posted already is one um, and, and a big theme across most of those is networking so that's obviously you know super important um, you got to do everything you possibly can do to get shots you know Wes especially within finance um, it's not a not a target school uh, not a not a recruiting hotspot um, it's probably better today than it was when I graduated but it's still not you know a, a Penn or a Harvard or a Michigan um, and so you really need to do everything you possibly can to get to get at bats and um, to build that resume. And so I would say continue to network as much as you possibly can. Um, you know, with it, with finance, you just unfortunately have to start early. Um, you know, more and more, uh, especially you know, private equity usually hires out of investment banking. Investment banking usually for a full time role hires out of their summer analyst class between junior and senior year and. Uh, oftentimes they're hiring out of their sophomore analyst class. And so you kind of need to start early on to be able to build that resume to position yourself for those internships that the internships end up turning into full-time offers. The full-time offers, if you want to move into the buy side, you know, private equity or a hedge fund or a family office or real estate or whatever you want to be doing, it usually starts pretty early on investment banking. So it's just, it's moving earlier and earlier and it's, you know, I'd, I'd say that's not a good thing, but it is, you know, the reality. And so you, you got to, you can't real. It's hard to realize senior year. Hey, I want to go into investment banking, um, and uh, but I don't have any experience. So it's hard. It, you're just not going to make a make a ton of progress there. So you gotta 
continuing to start early. Um, and, you know, related to that is, you know, really leverage the resources that Wesleyan does provide. You know, um, we talked about a little bit, but the Career Resource Center when I was there, um, you know, although it didn't have, I think, the fancy office space it does now, um, it was like, a, I think, an old dormitory in the, in the Butts dorm, but um, they were incredibly helpful. They were really helpful with resume development. Um, I specifically remember doing ahead of ahead of all my my interviews for investment banking. Um, they were so thoughtful with their time and 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 did a bunch of mock interviews with me. And you know, you just you realize that that's so much of that is practice. Just practice, practice, practice. Read as read all you can about the industry. Talk to as many people, but leverage the Career Resource Center because they're the ones who know the network the best. They're the ones who know what, what works well for getting these jobs. They know the students who came through, who how they position themselves for those jobs and this, try to learn from that. Um, and I think the interviews, you don't get a whole lot of practice with those at you know in day-to-day -day life. And um, it was really helpful for me to go in there and, and finish a mock interview in 20 minutes and say, all right, well, here's what you did well, but here's really what you did horribly and learn from that and say, thank you and develop and try to get better and go back and do it again and do it again after that. It's a lot like sports in that way where, um, you know, you're only going to get better with reps and uh, putting in the work. And so, um, you know, that's true with, with, you know, interview prep, that's true with, you know, resumes. So network as much as you can. And then, um, you know, try to overcome as much as you possibly can to, to get those, get those, um, uh, you know, to get those opportunities. I mean, I remember ahead of one of my internship summers, I think I sent out a hundred resumes and cover letters just into, the, felt like into the ether uh, to firms that I had been tracking and, and people in the Wesleyan network. And I probably got a 3% response rate. Um, but one of them ended up turning into a summer internship offer because they said, oh, we're not hiring, but you should talk to my friend here. And they flew me out to LA and I got a summer internship offer. And it was just, one of these things that, you know, you just never know and be persistent and, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and learn from kind of the, the people ahead of you. So anyway, um, I think your podcasts have been incredibly helpful. I, I, I hope this is helpful on the margin. I know a lot of this has been shared by others, but, um, you know, I, I do think this is a, you know, your, your podcast here, Brian, are uh, super helpful resources. And, um, you know, I, uh, I just thank you for doing it on behalf of the, the Wesleyan students who hopefully they'll learn from it. So, um, and thanks for having me on. Well, they pay me really handsomely for this, Charlie. So <laughs> you don't have to thank me that much. It's not like I'm doing this out of the good of my heart. But uh, yeah, no, I like, you know, your analogy, it reminds me of the interview I did with Mead and Wheeler, uh, two friends of ours who started uh, a really cool company. The, I think the analogy of just reps, like at bats or all these cliches that you know, sports uses um, apply to the professional world really well, right? It's you practice really hard so that game day is easy. Um, and all that work that you put in beforehand will make, you know, that interview or that meeting or the project that you're working on that much easier. And I think that's completely true. Um, so all that um, that you said is, is really, you know, powerful to reinforce everything else that we've heard on here. And um, I know what your answer is going to be because you're a passionate alum, but I always ask, is it okay if folks who are listening, interested in connecting with you, learning more about your story and or learning about um, private equity, is it okay if folks reach out directly? Of course, of course. Listen, I, I benefited from that a ton when I was um, at West and even in the years after. And 
Um, you know, people don't realize even in finance, West may not be a hot spot on the recruiting circuit, but uh, there's a really big, really strong West network uh, on Wall Street and in finance in general. So, um, you know, just today I'm on uh, a couple boards with other West alumni. I've got, you know, head of corp dev at, a, at another software company that went to West. There are a lot of people out there who um, would would bend over backwards for, for, for Wesleyan students and graduates. And so definitely feel free to reach out. More than happy to chat and, uh, you know, definitely recommend uh, leveraging that network as much as people can. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for your time and the insight, really powerful. And uh, it's also great, great to catch up with you in general. So thank you. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it.